Exodus chapter 22, verses 22 through 24. Ye shall not afflict any widow or fatherless child. If thou afflict them in any wise, and they cry at all unto me, I will surely hear their cry. Pause there just for a minute. Growing up with two brothers, there were times that we would afflict one another and just give each other a hard time and then just, you know, w- without without doubt, knowing when you behave stupidly, you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes, one person said. So when we'd play carelessly with one another and then somebody got hurt, we would say, ah, oh, be quiet, mom and dad will hear, right? So he says when they cry... I will surely hear their cry. Okay, So let, let that be on your mind. And my wrath shall wax hot, and I will kill you with the sword. And your wives shall be widows, and your children fatherless. Now turn, if you would please, to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 10. Deuteronomy chapter 10. Read a few verses from that passage. Deuteronomy chapter 10, begin reading in verse 12. And now, Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee? Not ask, require of thee. But to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command thee this day for thy good. Behold, the heaven and the heaven of heavens is the Lord's thy God. The earth also and all that is therein. So you see the dominion of God and and these subjects under the Most High, how they were to behave themselves. Only the Lord had a delight in thy fathers to love them, and he chose their seed after them, even you above all people, as it is this day. Circumcise, therefore, the foreskin of your heart, and be no more stiff-necked. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, a great God, a mighty and a terrible which regardeth not persons, nor taketh reward. He doth execute the judgment or justice of the fatherless and widow, and loveth the stranger, and giving him food and raiment. Love ye therefore the stranger, for ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God, him shalt thou serve, and to him shalt thou cleave and swear by his name. He is thy praise, and he is thy God, that hath done for thee these great and terrible things which thine eyes have seen. Thy fathers went down into Egypt with threescore and ten persons, and now the Lord thy God hath made thee as the stars of heaven for multitude. The book of Deuteronomy is a recap that Moses is doing before the children of Israel crossed over Jordan in the Canaan. What I'd like for us to look at and what is before us in the text in, in the book of Exodus 
is the subject of widows and fatherless. The widows and fatherless. So between those two passages, you see the in Deuteronomy, you see the magnitude of who God is. The God of gods over the heavens, all things are his. He chose you out of all people and made you a nation out of a handful of people. So such a God declares unto such a people these things. And he, he speaks specifically concerning widows and fatherless in the passage before us today. He says in the text, and we're going to be spending our time in the text here of Exodus chapter 22. He says, ye shall not, ye shall not. Okay. So the word afflict means to oppress or put down. We know what it means to afflict. To downcast someone, to outcast someone, to weaken someone, to humiliate someone, afflict them. To look down upon them, to browbeat them, to deal harshly with them or to deal with them with force to hurt or to ravish them, to afflict them. You can see that built into this command, there's a command for compassion. Okay? And the widow and the fatherless, they have something in common, and they don't have a representative is what they don't have. Those people who are vulnerable. Yeah. Okay? A widow is one who is forsaken, okay? So in bereavement, forsaken. A widow, either by death or being discarded or abandoned, okay? So if someone has a, a husband that just takes off on them and not, no child support, they're just, they're just gone, boom. They were, they were as widows. Now, Paul refers to a widow being a widow indeed of someone who does not have a support a son or a relative or no one to take care of them, okay? So a widow is one who is forsaken or abandoned. The fatherless here would be the, the, the orphaned. So also in such a bereavement that they are, they are deprived of their, of their dad, of their, of their father, of their dad. The Lord takes this subject very seriously those who are vulnerable. The book of Isaiah, please allow me to read to you from the book of Isaiah and chapter 10. Isaiah chapter 10, the Lord is serious concerning these. And, and, and because of that, it's a, it's a great brutality for someone to advantage against the fatherless and the widow. And Isaiah chapter 10 and verse 1, Woe unto them that decree unrighteous decrees, and that right grievous which they have prescribed, to turn aside the needy from judgment, and to take away the right from the poor of my people, that widows may be their prey, and that they may rob the fatherless. God Almighty says, woe unto them, woe unto them. If you find the book of Matthew and turn to the Old Testament, one book to the book of Malachi, find Matthew and then go backward one book, you'll find Malachi chapter 3 and verse 5. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 5. 
and I will come near to you to judgment, and I will be swift. I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers and against the adulterers and against the false swearers and against those that oppress the hireling and his wages, the widow and the fatherless, and that turn aside the stranger from his right. And fear not me, saith the Lord of hosts. So all those things have in common, there is a total lack of the fear of the Lord with them. One that fears the Lord will not go unto all those different sins. Specifically, we speak today of of oppression of the widow and the fatherless. It's an ungodly thing to do. It's an ungodly thing to do. Specifically, it's an ungodly thing to do to to oppress or to vex, to afflict, to, to, to deal harshly with those who are at disadvantage, the vulnerable. Okay? That's the issue. The issue at hand is vexation or trouble, afflicting of the vulnerable. That word vulnerable means susceptible of wound or injury. Okay? So what both of those people are missing in their lives, both the widow and the fatherless, was the representative. In the old economy, now today, uh, uh, women can, can get degrees, can get jobs, get, they can own land, they can do all kinds of things as rights and as citizens of this country have, have every bit of personhood and can, can do those things. In, in the Old Testament, in the old way of living, women could, were not going to be business owners. They were not going to, uh, to own land and, and, and be able to provide for themselves. Men were the, the heads of home. Remember in Exodus chapter 10 that the Lord told Moses that the men were to teach generation by generation in the home. So without that headship and leadership as prescribed even by God in the garden telling Adam to take care of his neighbor and to follow after the Lord, they were missing that very, very critical piece in the family unit, a husband and a dad. They were thus susceptible to wounds or to injury. They were liable to injury. Historically, when one group would try to take over another, many of them would either conscript or, or seize the men and bring them into their own army, or they would simply kill them, leaving widows and fatherless. And those widows and fatherless being vulnerable then would succumb to whatever treatment that the invader would would, uh, apply to them. They would bring them uh, unto their own selves as wives and as children, and they they would do as they pleased. They were vulnerable, having their their husbands dead and their dads, the the fathers, dead. They were subject to being affected injuriously. They They were capable of being wounded, but there's much more than the physical aspect here. Okay? I believe this passage in its affliction is dealing much more than just physicality. I believe this speaks of spiritual affliction. I believe this speaks of emotional affliction. I believe this speaks of, sure, financial affliction. But I want you to see in verse 22, he says, you should not afflict any widow or fatherless child. It doesn't matter who the dad was or who the husband was or what the circumstances were. If they shall, if thou afflict them in any wise, 
Okay, in any way, if they, if you if they are afflicted in any way, if they are oppressed in any way, they will cry out, and I will hear them. The Lord said, "These vulnerable, they're weak and helpless to defend themselves from injury." Right? Why do we have a sensibility toward children being harmed? Because they are weak and helpless to defend themselves. They could not protect themselves. They could not hold or protect their properties. These widows and these, these orphans, these fatherless. They were susceptible to affliction and distress from cruel and unmerciful men. Having no helper or no one to assist them or no one to sympathize with them. They were susceptible to others taking advantage of their vulnerability. What were the children of God instructed to do? Yes, not afflict them. Wouldn't it have been wonderful if they would have exercised compassion and been a help to these people? I believe that's what they were to do. I believe it's spelled out there. There is an active affliction and there's a passive affliction. What do I mean by passive affliction? Well... If someone has, if someone is a widow or if someone is fatherless and the Jew were to see them in their affliction, and as it says in James, you can say you have all the religion you want, but somebody's cold and you don't offer them a coat and just say, Lord, be with you. What is that? You could passively afflict somebody by not being their aid, by not being their help, by leaving them in their vulnerability. So this is, this is a, a big deal for the, the children of Israel. That widow, think about this, a widow, not having a husband. Well, what's a, what, is, what is a spouse? It's much more than a piece of paper and a checking of a box. It's much more than just saying, I do, and, and all is well. But as a spouse, one flesh... A husband and wife or a friend, you see. So this widow, she being vulnerable, she has no husband to be her friend as only husbands can be a friend to a wife. So then someone not having that friend. These people, you can see how that they would be instructed not to afflict them, but also be a friend. They don't have a friend, and, and you can't be their husband, but you can be a friend to them. But, you know, this, this widow has no husband on their side to make their case. Who's going to go to the law? We, we studied uh, a while back uh, of that, that prophet who she... He, uh, He's told that woman she's going to have a child, and the child grew up and, and had a heat stroke and died, and the prophet brought that child back to life. Well, that woman then went to the king to petition for land, but where was her husband? Humanly speaking, that might have been a futile petition if it had not been for the providence of God, that the, man, that the servant of the man of God being right there. Who would have been on her side? No husband. No husband to protect her. No husband to sympathize with her. No husband to defend her, to defend, again, her physically, but also to defend her heart emotionally, yeah. to defend her. No husband is one flesh. You can see how this woman then, this 
this widow may have been extremely vulnerable, susceptible to injury, having not a husband, having been abandoned or forsaken, whether in death or otherwise, of her husband. For someone to take advantage of such things would indeed be a cruel thing. It would be a wickedly unmerciful, cruel thing. You can see why the Lord said in verse 24 that his wrath would wax hot against it. And he speaks throughout the Old Testament of his opinion concerning those that would oppress the vulnerable. In similar fashion, but not quite the same, you see of a child that is fatherless. Now, I have a relationship with my wife and I have a relationship with my kids. And while I love each of them, I have a very different relationship with my wife than I do with my kids. And that's understandable. You think of the the relationship I have with my kids. I I am a mentor to them. Okay, good, bad or indifferent. I'm an example to them. So a child without a dad or chief, that, that, that principal person in the home, and God is principal in all places. He, he is uh, superintendent in all things. He has the preeminence in all things. But God has assigned man to be head of household. That not having a dad, they would lose a mentor. And thank God that he does provide for godly mentors. But imagine homes without godly mentors in them and what what disarray there would be, how vulnerable those children would be to the ways of the world and to to the ways of sin and to the ways of idolatry and to the ways of self. Think about how, how, how terrible it would be for, for a family to not have and how susceptible and vulnerable a family would be not to have such a one in the home and how easily the, the minds of these children could be swayed. How easily they could be afflicted. Pharaoh wanted to afflict the minds of the children when he told them, told Moses, yes, you go worship God, but leave your kids behind. He desired to deprive them of their mentor in the home. He desired to afflict them through subtlety. Imagine a home where uh, there was no dad for, for, for that dad to be on the side of their children. And sometimes for a dad to be on the side of the child, that means the dad is also disciplining the child, right? We read in the book of Hebrews that for the Lord to love his children, he also chastens them, right? No dad to protect or defend them. No dad to sympathize with them. No dad to set their bounds. No, son, you can't do that. Fatherless. Dinah, the daughter of Jacob, she wanted to go out and see what the daughters of the land wanted to be doing. She ended up getting raped, didn't she? Where was her dad? Oh, she was grown. She can do whatever she wants. I don't care how grown these kids are. They're still, I'm still her dad. You could see then how these women and these children, by not having this critical and pivotal uh, position filled in their lives, how that they would be susceptible to injury. What were the children of Israel supposed to do? Well, certainly not afflict them. What were they to do? They were to have compassion on them. 
They were to have compassion on them, to, to not oppress them or downcast them. They, they were to, to keep them and to guard them and to protect them. Just as much as you can see in nature, the, the young or the defenseless and these different herds of animals, when a predator comes, they put them toward the middle and they protect them, don't they? The group runs a little slower to protect that, that tired or weary or injured animal that one susceptible. We know how serious God takes this issue by the penalties that he describes. In verse 23, if you afflict them in any wise, if you do anything to them, if you afflict them in any wise, if you if you browbeat them, if you tease them just a little bit, if you come out with a with a whip, if you laugh them to scorn, if you do anything to them in the mind if you reproach them, anybody's ever been insulted before? I mean, called names based on based on appearance or based on who you are or whatever. anybody ever ever anybody ever suffered insult before? The Lord says, if you afflict them in any wise, and that includes the mind, you refuse them or you ostracize them, you exclude them from society and the privileges and the friendship and the conversation of society. You don't allow them to approach. You treat them as if they are not of you. Well, sadly, even in the Lord's assemblies at times, the children of God afflict those that are vulnerable, and that is indeed sad. It is a sad thing. We're not to be an affliction of the mind of one another. We're to point each other to Christ. Follow him. They were not to afflict anyone in any wise of the mind and of the body, sure, by punishments or starvation. Oh, I know. Oh, so-and-so. I know I know she's a widow now. Well, that just stinks for her. You know, they could afflict widows by not, by not making sure they're fed. We discovered that or we discussed that. Book of James. By afflicting someone, by not reaching out the hand, by, by passively afflicting. Also in the body, by, by harm and imprisonments and, and, and different punishments. But also they could afflict them by withholding from them. Okay, well now that they have no sympathizer, now that they have no, no one to defend them, I know I owe, owe widow so-and-so so much money. But who's going to come collect it? Ha, ha, ha. Those kind of things happen. Withholding stuff, even stealing. Oh, yes, I know they have no one to, 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 to be on their side, no friend indeed. I'm just going to steal off of them or cheat them. However affliction were to come. The Lord says they will cry. And they will cry at all unto me. If thou afflict them in any wise, and they cry at all unto me. The passage we read in Deuteronomy is important because he recalls their minds that they were also troubled in Egypt. Exodus chapter 3, verse 7, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry. 
So when they are to hear at the foot of Sinai that God will hear the cry of those who are vulnerable and afflicted, it's the same God that heard their cry and delivered them with great signs and wonders out of the hand of, uh, uh, out of the realm of Egypt. That great and mighty God who thundered and lightning out of a out of a mountain that was a smoke and a blaze. That they said, Moses, speak to him lest we die. That same God that heard their cry will hear the cry of those that are afflicted, the widow and the fatherless. That should have gotten their attention. But as we read in Isaiah and in Malachi, they did afflict the fatherless and the widow. The Lord's wrath, he promised, they, if you do it, they will cry and I will hear them. Verse 23, they will cry unto me, I will surely, not maybe, I will surely hear their cry. And what happens in the hearing of that cry? Verse 24, my wrath shall wax hot. That word wax means grow. And I will kill you with a sword, and your wife shall be widows, and your children fatherless. That's how seriously the Lord takes it. Okay. So the Lord's wrath waxing hot. When he says, I'll kill you with a sword, is it the Lord himself will take up a sword and kill them? Well, what happened historically is oppressors rose up against Israel and made slaughter of them. Okay. He killed, he permitted the swords of the adversaries to rise up against them and made their wives widows and made their children fatherless. And I believe the Lord is the same God as he is today, and I believe he still means business. I really do. The children of Israel, perhaps one of the reasons that they that they allowed themselves to, to afflict the widow and the fatherless, perhaps, is maybe some of this sword that the Lord promised was delayed, and they they grew bold in it. But I believe these words were just are just as true today as they've ever been. These are promises toward Israel, but I believe in general these are these are promises that the Lord's people are to keep. What's the remedy for this? What is the cure for this command? Nobody should have to tell a child of God, not to afflict somebody, right? Specifically a widow or fatherless. Don't pick on or oppress someone who can't defend themselves. The question, if someone were to afflict them, the question is, comes back to compassion. Where's the compassion? I believe, here I believe, the law screams of compassion toward the lowly and the vulnerable, to the, toward the widow and the fatherless. The people of God are simply to take care of one another. Okay? The, he's not talking to the Gergesites or the, to, the, to the whoever. He's talking to the children of Israel, the people of God called out unto himself. He, he, he put his name upon them. He, he dwelt between cherubim there and wood as it was described in the, in the Mosaic Law. The people of God were to take care of one another. They were to show compassion toward one another. They were to do good unto all men, especially of the household of faith. They were to, and we, treated, we, we talked of strangers a few weeks ago. 
The uh, if you back up in the verse 21, that should neither vex a stranger nor oppress him. Why? Again, you're to do good unto all men, especially the household of faith. But those, but those that had sojourned among them, they were to do good unto them. The people of God were to consider the welfare, welfare of each other and have compassion on them. To rally around one another. The, there's no problem at all for Cowboys fans to rally around one another and high-five and help one another and whatever. There's a camaraderie there. There should be a fellowship that is sweet, not one of, of vexation and affliction among the people of God, but a, a sweet fellowship to genuinely desire to help one another, especially those that are vulnerable. In the book of 1 Corinthians, as Paul tells the Corinthian church that each member is set in particular by God Almighty himself. And he says that the uncomely parts are what? Remember the word? Necessary? That those that, those that maybe are struggling along the way, maybe, maybe the, uh, the, those that are in the beginning classes, you could say, maybe those that are, that are of fundamental knowledge, maybe those that, have, that, that are the least in the group, those that are most susceptible to the enemy's attacks are necessary. Why? To bring the whole group together, that they would love one another and care for one another. Not that they would point fingers and say, well, that's your problem and this is your problem and your problems are worse than my problem. No, that they would love and care for one another. I believe you see the, 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 the gospel here in all compassion, in all love. He talks about not afflicting the widows and, and, the, and the fatherless. But those of ability have no need of compassion. They have, they have no need of help, right? You might look at one man over here and, he, and the strength of his youth and say, okay, he's got his act together, just move on. But over here, there's one poor and needy and having compassion that they need. And, 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 and to those, they, 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 special attention is drawn unto them. Those that are poor and needy and vulnerable are exactly the ones that Jesus Christ died for. Without exception. Someone that has no need of help. Someone that, that is not, you could say by their own terms, vulnerable. They, in their own minds, they have success. They have no need. But those who are poor and needy, that's who Jesus Christ died for. In Matthew chapter 11, you know this passage, Matthew chapter 11. Who, who, who did he, who did he die for? In verses 28 through, through 30. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Those that are poor and needy. Those that struggle, those that are afflicted in sin. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. You shall find rest unto your souls, not affliction. Those that are without representation, those that are in need of a friend indeed. Jesus Christ says you can find rest with me. 
You can find help with me. I will not be an affliction to you. I will be a help to you, a protection to you. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I will make things wonderful for those who are afflicted. The book of Psalms, the 40th Psalm, Psalm 40, verses 16 and 17. Psalm 40, verses 16 and 17. Let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Let such as love thy salvation say continually, The Lord be magnified. And I'm poor and needy. I'm vulnerable. Yet the Lord thinketh upon me. The Lord having compassion on the vulnerable. Thou art my help and my deliverer. Make no tarrying, O my God. I believe in the passage before us, the, yes, specifically the widow and the fatherless, they were those that were susceptible. But as a, as a picture of a sinner, of the sinner at large that is quickened and made alive and brought to Jesus Christ, rather than being one that afflicts and deals harshly with sinners, he draws them unto himself and does indeed become a captain over their souls. First Samuel, one of my personal favorite passages in the entirety of the Word of God, in First Samuel chapter 22. First Samuel chapter 22 and verse 1. David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave at Dalam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. And everyone that was in distress, and everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him. And he became a captain over them, and there were with him about 400 men. These men, they were grown men. They didn't, of course, they had no husband. And if they were fatherless, they were grown and could defend themselves. But the idea remains the same. These people, distressed, indebted, and discontented, these people were susceptible. These were vulnerable people, and they had need. And David was a, was a captain over them. I believe Jesus Christ does the same. Those that could and would be afflicted. Jesus Christ having compassion on them, and that's spiritually. I'm not saying that he saves everyone that's a widow, and I'm not saying he saves every orphan. But I'm saying the picture is there. Those that, that are oppressed or have potential for oppression. The picture there of that soul that calls upon God in their distress. How would the Jews, how would they respond to such teachings? Again, they should respond with compassion. How are we to respond to such teachings? We should respond in compassion. Would it be right to oppress someone? And I want you to think of it also, being reminded to think of it in an active sense and a passive sense. You can actively afflict someone and you can passively afflict someone. 
actively afflicting someone would be to torment their mind or their body or their stuff and, and, and try to press them down. To passively afflict someone would be to see their need and yet withhold yourself from feeling that need. If someone is a child without a father, spiritually. Now, in the long view, in the mind of God, if someone is saved, then God has always been their father. But from a human perspective, I did not always know that God was my father. Okay? So if someone is by by our by human point of view is fatherless and we oppress them either in in subjecting law and duty unto them or we afflict them by refraining compassion through the gospel with them child of god we could be guilty of afflicting the fatherless Jesus Christ wasn't guilty of afflicting the fatherless. He said he knew that those people were not his sheep, and yet he told them the gospel, right? God, help us that we would not afflict the fatherless and the widow. God, help us that we would not afflict or oppress those that are out of the way, those that are, that are vulnerable and susceptible to harm, those that are marching, as it were, unto the gates of judgment, and we either pile on them or we simply step back and say nothing of their course. I do thank God that Jesus Christ had compassion on the vulnerable. He came to seek and save that which is lost, right? The vulnerable. He was made like unto his brethren. And what are his brethren? What are we but sinners? Yeah. And what did he do? In his sufferings, he saved us from our sins. You think about the, the context of the widow. She had no friend. Well, thank God Christ offered himself his friendship. And I say offered, not that one could accept or reject, but he literally laid down his life that his children would be the friends of God. That in a sense, he became husband to his people, and he is the, the bridegroom unto the bride. But in a sense, he, he protects his people as a husband would, and he sympathizes with his people as a husband would. And thank God, he defends his people as a husband would. And he, is, he will be one day one flesh with his people as a husband would. Thank God as unto children that, that Christ indeed is the mentor of his people, that we learn of him. Thank God in his compassion that, that, that he does protect and defend, he does sympathize and he sets our bounds. Thank God he had compassion on the vulnerable. Now I'm neither fatherless nor a widow, but you see the principles there of the vulnerable. Thank God that those who are in distress, he has protected them according to his gospel. He said, no man can pluck them out of my hand. My father and I are one. You can't beat that for protection. In practice, be like the Lord. 
We are to be as unto the Lord. And if you read it again, he says, Ye shall not afflict the widow or the fatherless. The opposite of that, again, would be to have compassion on them, to meet their needs, to let them be as though, and, and you can't bring a, 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 a husband or a dad back from the dead, but this society, that the, the Jewish society, could remove the potential for affliction by exercising compassion on them. We're to be like unto the Lord, even as uncommanded. You didn't know that the law preaches compassion, but it does. It preaches compassion towards sinners. And you know what this also tells us? That it's against the natural position of man to be compassionate. It is the natural inclination of man to oppress and take advantage of and afflict widows and fatherless. That's a pretty disgusting trait we have as human beings. Thank God for the work of Jesus Christ. And practice, we're to be like unto the Lord. And it should be pleasing unto the people of God to be a compassionate people. It should be a pleasing thing. We're not to oppress the widow or fatherless, but we're not to oppress anyone else either. Right? By the word of God, who, 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 who am I allowed to oppress? Who am I allowed to afflict? If someone is afflicted at all, may it be by the preaching of God's gospel and they be cut to the heart and they and they afflict themselves. But we should not be a violent or a forceful people. There's been some groups that through affliction, they desire to to add people to their group. There's the Lord never commanded his assembly to afflict others unto a belief. But you see, as we read in Isaiah and in Malachi, it was a blot and a stain to the Jewish people that they did have a tendency to afflict the fatherless and the widow. The idea then is compassion. What's the answer to this? Love God and love your neighbor. That's the, the, those two simple commands solve the problems of this passage, the treatment of the fatherless and the widow. To love our neighbor, to have compassion on them, to, to take care of one another. It sounds so easy. Do we do it physically? Do we do it emotionally? I've known of some widows that that they, they couldn't afford hardly to eat. And yet they were in the assembly, and, and maybe there were some that were helping private. I know of at least a few that were, would help in private. But what of the others? Not inquiring, not asking, do you need anything? Do you need anything? Do you, do you, are you okay? Physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially, whatever. But have compassion on one another. The early church in Acts chapter 2, whenever this group was saved, they had compassion on one another and they sold all their stuff and made things just to take care of one another, have compassion on one another. In today's economy, if someone is widowed or orphaned, well, now people have life insurance and that kind of stuff. So, so maybe their financial needs are met, but what about their emotional needs? What about their their spiritual needs, the, those types of things. Have compassion on one another. 
Sinner, you afflict the vulnerable, and that is yourself. That is yourself. You afflict yourself, you oppress yourself, you're, you deal harshly with yourself, and you do so with sin, with self-righteousness, with pride. The Lord says, I surely will hear their cry. The Lord knows. Nothing escapes. Nothing escapes the Lord. He, nothing is hidden from him. His eyes see all. And you know, in this, in this affliction, in this self-inflicted affliction, self-inflicted affliction, the, the wrath of God waxes and grows hotter and hotter and hotter. You can never afflict someone to the point where you appease the wrath of God. Ever. The Jews used to walk around whipping themselves, thinking if they afflicted themselves in the body with these whips that they would be more pleasant unto God. You can never afflict yourself unto pleasantness in God's eyes. During Lent, I suppose, that's what many people do. They try to afflict themselves unto holiness. You cannot afflict yourself unto holiness. It's impossible. You should not afflict any widow or followers. You should not afflict anyone. What's the remedy? The only remedy is the compassion of God Almighty in the person of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. He gave himself for his people. He came to save his people. We sing that song. He came to save his people. What compassion, God Almighty. If someone has no father in God at all, they truly are fatherless. And if someone has... No, as it were, husband and God Almighty. They truly are abandoned. There is no one in such a sad case as a vulnerable person before God. No one in such a sad case. But thank God, he quenches that vulnerability. The word vulnerable, again, means susceptible of wound or injury. He quenches that notion of vulnerability, and how so? The gospel of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 8. Think about vulnerability and the removal thereof in Christ. Romans chapter 8. Verse 31, what shall we then say to these things of God before us? Who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not get with him also give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Who can abuse and injure a child of God? It is God that justifies. You know, we might have some hard times in this life. But sinner, you might have some easy times in this life. You might have what you think, you're just coasting along. But one that is justified by God, they are invulnerable. 
you think my emotions and my my fragile sensibilities and all this stuff i can get pretty vulnerable but in jesus christ i am invulnerable i am in him i am in him in love he is the propitiation of my soul i am that in that godly lock box of jesus christ one who is outside of him and truly vulnerable is susceptible to injury but susceptible to injury from God. Either fall upon that rock or that rock will fall upon you. His wrath waxing hot against that one that afflicts another, that wrath can only be quenched. Okay? It, 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 it won't just be suggested out. The wrath of God has to have a target, okay? You fire a gun, that bullet's going somewhere. Sin is committed, the wrath of God ensues, and it has to have a target. Either that target hits the offender, is the offender, or that target was Jesus Christ. I encourage you to repent. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You have afflicted. You have afflicted the vulnerable. You have afflicted your own self. And the wrath of God abides. It says in John chapter 3, quickly, John chapter 3, in verse 36, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. Boy, that sounds like safety and security, doesn't it? That sounds like you're free from affliction, free from vulnerability, free from susceptibleness to, to assault or, or, or to maiming or to mistreatment of mind or body or whatever in any wise. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. He that believeth not does so afflicting their own soul. But the wrath of God abideth on him. Those are two very different classes of people. What's the difference? The gospel of Jesus Christ. And granted faith and trust in the same. I encourage you to repent. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And though you, just like me, had a lifetime of afflicting ourselves in sin, yet Christ, having compassion, saved his people from their sins. My, may God grant you such faith, such trust in him that you would have eternal life. And that the oppression and the affliction of your soul be at an end. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word.